the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. As we do every Wednesday, it's a delight to bring back Representative David Schweikert. I like him so much, I've made him a permanent guest host. David, welcome back to the show. You like being on this side or the other side better? Uh, Bill and I were worried that um, uh, your, your crazy decision to let me fill in for you, um, you'd come back from your trip and you'd have no show. I had a bigger worry. I'd come back from my trip and find out I was replaced. Yeah, no, no, no. It's harder than people know. <laughs> you're, you're, no, you you give all these Bill, great speeches. How is it? So it's not that hard, is it? It's, yeah, but you have Bill fussing in your ear. Yes, that is, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, really, should you have said that? Oh, by the way, you have a commercial. Yes, yes. We have to keep the lights on so that Bill can. What did you say? Futz around in your ear? Was that what you said? Something like so, that. Something using a little like Yiddish that. there. You have the best Twitter handle in the world at rep david how'd you score that i don't know man that's pretty I got cool luck. Yeah. <laughs> well america's right now running on luck i think david um do you want to talk about what's going on in afghanistan or do you want to talk about the middle class tax hike that we're gonna yeah, see yeah let's actually do the tax hike. okay the reason is there's lots of really smart people but by, by the way david david by the way thank you for sitting in for me. I appreciate it. Oh, no, no, it was a joy. But the the reality is you have a lot of uh, other people who are experts on Afghanistan talking about that. No no worries. Um, No worries. This is an important thing. I mean, it's so important that Joe Biden led with it yesterday. Let's talk about it. Yeah. But my expertise truly is what we're doing in tax and spending policy. Let's do it. And it's, it's an outright sort of fraud on the American people, but we need to first get our head around um, the left is all in. The, 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 the crazy talk last week, oh, there's going to be nine moderate you know, Democrats who are going to slow this down and negotiate. They all folded like a cheap suit. Mm-hmm. And you know, on your radio show, we predicted that, that, that this was theater. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no such thing as truly moderate Democrats anymore. The old tough-minded blue dogs that took on crazy big spending and crazy big taxes, they do not exist. If you're listening to this radio show and you consider yourself a moderate Democrat, you're a pink unicorn. Mm -hmm. We'd like to meet you because they don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so functionally what happened over the last three days is the Democrats moved this what's called a budget box. It's a hollow saying, hey, we're going to spend functionally $3.5 trillion of additional spending on top of the $4 trillion, which is sort of the baseline budget, on top of another... See, no one's telling one, anyone that. If you read one, a newspaper, yeah, you are told that this is the budget blueprint of 3.5. People have yeah. no concept that, <laughs> yeah, but there's also a budget, <laughs> right? Well, there's not, yeah. Understand, in, in Congress, budget is not what a budget is for you and I at home. A budget is sort of the spending box and then there's appropriation. 
appropriations are the actual spending. So the budget that just happened is so they can drive it through the Senate with certain number targets, and it only requires 50 votes because mm-hmm. back in 1974, they actually did a budget reform process, and we're still living under that. So you, everyone, so you'll hear the bird rule and all these fancy yeah. terms right. and the Senate parliamentarian. These are all the mechanisms because they can't get 60 votes for what they're about to do, but they can probably get to 50. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's going on right now. Do you, do you think um, they get to 50 pretty easily? I mean, we'll have a uh, lot of drama and Sturm and Drang with uh, the guy from West Virginia, Joel Manchin, and with Kirsten Cinema. but at the end of the yeah, day? I, look, um, two weeks of them having I, a lot of press, right? <laughs> yeah, two weeks of them having a lot yeah. of press. They'll be mashing the teeth, yeah. and they'll be... And then at the end, they will cave in, make, saying that, oh, we got a promise yeah. that this was going to happen. Yeah. Where my fixation, and well, let's go back. The Democrats played it really dirty. Um, what they did is they just took $3.5 trillion of additional spending on top of everything else. And we didn't actually have a debate on it. So I, I'm the senior Republican for joint economics. That's so right. we should have an hour of debate for the joint economic team to talk about its economic impact. The budget committee should have an hour to on the floor, at least an hour, sometimes a couple hours, to debate its impact on fiscal sanity of the country. The Democrats did this. We're just going to do a rule vote, and within the rule vote, you know, we're going to do the federal takeover of elections. Oh, and we're going to add a couple lines to the rules just saying we we deem, which means just say pretend, Mm -hmm. that the budget's all done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There wasn't even an individual vote on three and a half trillion dollar spending box. Unbelievable. There wasn't even floor debate on it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and, the, and the press just looks the other way and says, oh yeah, that's great. Yay for the Democrats. They got through. We will pass it to find out what's in it. really is a governing strategy of Nancy Pelosi's, isn't it? Well, um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a power play. Yeah. And for everyone that thinks, oh, those dumb Democrats, this, that, no, this is brilliant. They understand power. They understand professionalism and politics. I think it's evil what they're doing. I think it's wrong. I think it's a violence on the Constitution. But they do it because they won. And that was my, when you let me guest host last week, my fixation saying, if we care about school boards, if we care about the county, if we care about our cities, care about Congress, um, the fact of the matter is we've got to win these elections. Yeah, that, that, that was where I wanted to ask you a question because I, I want you to, to, to use your it's, – it's, 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 it's harder than that on me here when I ask you what I'm going to ask you. Because a lot of us are, are living under this idea that if we can wait this out till a year from November and give you, David, uh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20, maybe more – uh, hopefully more, hopefully a lot more Republicans in the House. Will that fix it? My concern is not necessarily, right? It's um, not just an R behind your name. It, it, it's, you need tough-minded. Yeah. And, and look, um, a, a good example, I have two really good friends. They are very conservative. They're on fire. They, 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 they were senior people in helping President Trump. And, but their attitude right now is they want to burn the place down. Okay. 
And I keep trying to stop them saying, tell me the last time that there was that sort of crisis, that the left didn't get more powerful, that the collectivists, the socialists, didn't gather more power. The fact of the matter is freedom maximizes when people's lives are also doing well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. During times Mm -hmm. of stress, we have so taken American public and said, turn to government. Mm -hmm. It's a horrible way to go. But the second half of your question... That, that's is, so important. In times of stress, well, we rely on government because it makes one well, yeah, understand why they create stress. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And so, you know, these folks say, down. let's burn the place yeah, down. you yeah. got to understand, that is the Democrat strategy. You just played in... You just played for the other side. They, they don't think of it that way because they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. The other thing is we are going to need Republicans who are as tough as nails. Mm-hmm. Because let's say we don't take the House or the Senate back, but we do get the House. We can have a Democrat president. We went through this when Obama was in line in the presidency. There were people like us who would say, we're not going to move the debt ceiling. We're not going to move certain appropriations bills unless we get some rational policy. And they played chicken with us. They played chicken, um, saying, okay, we'll shut the government down, but we're not going to pay the troops. And after a few days, the phone starts to blow up saying, I'm a Republican, but you got to pay the troops, so give in to President Obama. Mm-hmm. Are they going to do that again? Mm-hmm. We, it's not just members of Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the reasons we organized the Freedom Caucus. Mm-hmm. I was just so going to say, a, yes, right? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So we had a group that could stand the inbound of being cut off from any of the PACs that are going to help you or this, you know, the, the smart, fancy people that now say, David, we can no longer help your campaign get you reelected because, you know, that was too, you know, crazy conservative, you know, mm-hmm. refusing to vote for the budget, and, mm-hmm. you know, and we went into a government shutdown. Mm-hmm. If the public understands that is the leverage that the founders of this country gave the House of Representatives that leverage, and when we don't use it, it has no value. We have to say to bring back sanity, to bring back economic growth, to bring back, you know, because they're about to blow up the tax rate. Um, when we get power back, we're going to have to fix all this. And the only way we're going to have to be able to fix it is we're going to have to be able to use all the leverage points we have. And that means playing tough. David, let me give you a little shot of encouragement if I can. Um Two, three years ago, when um, the Freedom Caucus was first, or at that time at least, making a lot of news or receiving a lot of news, uh, you know, speeches I would give in communities, community events, you name it, the kind of things you often would do as well. You're much more well-known, 100 times more well-known than I am. So they would ask me, you don't really stand, though, with those crazies in the Freedom Caucus. You heard that a lot two, three years ago. Today, people, when I go to these meetings, you know what they say? You're with the Freedom Caucus, aren't you? As a positive idea. I mean, this this yeah, this, this is, is I, I've noticed this in two or three years. I don't know if you I, have. You may be too close to it. To, I'm elated to have the new friends, um, but it, it's it, we, they would have been really helpful yeah. a few years ago yeah. when we when people like me were being thrown yep. off committees and getting right. our heads kicked in. Yep. And, and look, um, I don't do the temper tantrums on television or those things. My job is in Freedom Caucus. I'm the only member on Ways and Me. I'm the only one with something like the Joint Economic. My job is 
together the economic plan. Um, and when you do that, you have to be a little sanguine about, you know, the weight and the gravity. Um, but and, and that was one thing. You did hear I had um, Jim Jordan on your show. Yeah, okay, good. So he called, and we talked for a little while. Um, and trying to explain, we all play different roles. It's one of the really neat things we have, you know, with Paul Grossar and Debbie Lesko and Andy Biggs. We all cover very different subjects in Congress. Yeah. You know, one covers natural resources. One covers energy commerce. One yep. covers judiciary. Yep. And judiciary is a war zone. Yep. And that's where Andy is right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, it is it is a war zone, but we're glad to have you there, buddy. We are glad to have you there. And if it ever gets really bad, I guarantee we will get you out safely. <laughs> uh, and you won't set a deadline. Right? I won't set an artificial okay. deadline the last, that the enemy that the enemy gave me. Really quick, I want to tell you one real quick. Yeah. Remember how the um, smart people all kept attacking Trump on he's going to break NATO? Yep. Make the argument, um, Joe Biden. Yep. May have just succeeded at breaking NATO. I agree. Everyone should go to Tony Blair's website and read what Tony Blair said. Absolutely right, right, David. Absolutely. You're wonderful. You are too, brother. Thank you. I'm going to call on you again to sit in the seat I am in, and you can bring your daughter. Send her my best, would you? Olivia? Yep, please. Bye, Olivia. (laughs) Have a good afternoon. God bless you, Schweikerts. Take care now. Be good. I don't know why I'm on a Neil Sadaka kick. Maybe someone can explain it. I just am. It drives it drives Bill nuts. <laughs> Do you like this song? What's your line? I like Rush. That's what he says. I like Rush. <laughs> John, there is a site for uh, sore eyes. How are you, John in Peoria via Pretoria? I don't know if many people know what you mean by that, but uh, here we are. You are in Peoria, Arizona, formerly of yeah. Pretoria, South Africa, sort of, right. sort of. <laughs> so. Yeah, sort of, right. You, you know more about my background than that. I, I, I've been privileged and humbled and thankful to visit in, so far, 57 countries. Wow. The, re- the reason I say that is because, and, and a big chunk of that is from Cape to Cairo, I just met a new lady uh, online when I read some articles by her. Her name is Anthea Pollock. Hmm. She she writes for the New American. Okay. Based in Wisconsin. Okay. She lives where I grew up. We've become friends in the last two weeks. And her responsibility for the New American is to observe and provide insight all of the continent of Africa. That's a pretty big chunk of territory. Yep. She is clear. She is uh, concise. She is accurate. I, I just, I've been back and forth with her, particularly in these last 10 days because of Afghanistan, etc. Another continent, a very good friend of mine, college friend who did mission work in Australia for half of his life so far. I spoke with him today. They both said exactly the same thing. This is my point. They both said in Australia and on the continent of Africa, what we are experiencing within our, mm, I've started to say within our borders, Mm -hmm. what is that anymore? Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. With what used to be our borders. Uh, is exactly what they have been seeing for a long time uh, in their own 
respective, respective areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I the practical thing, you know, animals and boxers and wrestlers, they not only fight, they're watching when there is a sign of weakness in their opponent. Animals in Africa do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe, just maybe, with all of this complete uh, ridiculous thing that our current president has brought to bear, is a sign of weakness on the part of our opponents, the liberals. Mm -hmm. And maybe, just maybe, it is time for those of us who believe in the red, white, and blue it is time for us not to be sort of quiet and polite and complacent. Now is the time. Maybe there is a, a revealed weakness on the part of our opponents for us to become all the more active. I shared that idea with uh, Mr. Australia, good friend, and Anthea. They both said, I think that is right. Mm-hmm. And they both said, we wish we had done that in our places earlier than what we're trying to do to catch up now there There it is there it is we are reaping what we have allowed to sow yeah Mm -hmm. that's exactly and weeds weeds uh, weeds only propagate themselves unless they are pruned and removed and we have we are reaping weeds that we have allowed to sow because we thought well if we're just nice and quiet enough then america will always come out on top. That used to be the case, but it's no longer the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm issuing a challenge to myself first. And you know I talk to people across the street and yep. really across the world. Yep. Let us rise up. Let us rise up and be noisy and be angry and be on the offensive. We can't win a ball game if we're always on the defense. And there may be a weakness in their wall. And now may be the time. Or there may never be a time in who knows how long. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Don't go away, John. I want to tell you something interesting of the moment. Goodness knows what created it. I don't know. There's something. But I've received in the last 30, well, really since, yeah, since the hour began. Last 30 minutes, I've received 1, 2, 6, 8, 10, 12 emails from Mm -hmm. listeners who are saying things like, we have to fight. We have to fight. We have to fight. Uh, they and, they have gotten not. to the fighting side of us. You bet. You bet. Hey, John, and, thank and, you so much. We, do you know the story? And, John, do you know the story? Do you know the story of the starfish and the boy on the beach? I uh, don't recall it immediately. No. Stay tuned. I want to give it to you on the other side of this break and to everyone else. Okay, it's short. You, You'll like it. You're doing a you're doing a great job. You Bye. are too, John. Bless you, sir. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Uh, I mentioned the starfish story to John. I never know whether in certain circumstances where I have a desire to share this story, I never know whether to do it or not because I can never tell whether it's trite and everyone's heard it a million times or whether it's new. So I asked John if he had heard it. He said he didn't think he had. And the reason I asked him 
was John is particularly a fan of the notion of how to um, convert people to our cause. And it's really a, a sentiment that comes out of the 60s, 1860s, as well as 1960s, each one teach one. Anyone who gets the light, sees the light, has a responsibility to find someone else and give them that light and teach them that light. A young boy was walking along a beach upon which hundreds, if not thousands, of starfish had been washed up during a terrible storm. When he came to each starfish, he would pick it up and throw it back into the ocean. And people watched him, this little boy, with amusement. Do you know the story, Bill? You do. Okay. This young boy had been doing this for some time when an older man approached him and said, young boy, why are you doing this? Look at this beach. You can't save all these starfish. You can't begin to make a difference. And the boy seemed crushed at first, deflated. But after a few moments, he bent down, picked up another starfish, hurled it as far as he could into the ocean, looked up to the man and said, well, it mattered to that one. I made a difference for that one. That's the power of each one. Teach one. Um, it does matter. It does matter. You never know. You never know the power of bringing someone to light and intelligence and the cause and what they can do with it. You never know the potential of a human. You never know where they're going to end up. I laugh. I laugh at, um, at a lot of people over the years I have worked with, not for, but with, who would tease me about the time I would spend with certain interns or certain uh, new hires. And, uh, you know, the last laugh, some of those interns and new hires ended up being, um, you know, speechwriters for people with names like Pompeo and Trump. In any event, uh, it matters. You never know. You never know what the power of conveying power of thought to someone can lead to because I still believe a brain is a terrible thing to waste. We're wasting a lot of them. Mike's in Maricopa. Hi, Mike. Real quick today, you were talking in your first hour about statements by Democrats yes. and criticizing the country. It seemed to me, uh, it was back, I think, during the Trump administration, it was either Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, or Governor Cuomo had made some comment about, well, America's not that great, and I don't think it's ever really It been. was Andrew Cuomo. It was Governor Cuomo. America was there never really that great. Yeah. Yeah. There's a prime example. There is a prime example. Saying the quiet part out loud. You bet. God bless you, Seth. God Thanks. bless Later. you, Mike. Thank you for that reminder. I had forgotten about that. Rick in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello there, Seth. I was a little slow on the uptake because Bill and I are working on a recording contract. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, you'll have, okay. To, ask him, uh, you'll have to ask him about it. Yeah. Hey, Bill's hey, got ben, a lot of tentacles, I, evidently. What's that? Bill's got a lot of far-reaching tentacles, evidently. <laughs> yeah. Working with you, working with David Schweikert. And some great pipes. So, uh, hey, Sev, I think I figured out. Uh, now, I'm not a psychologist, and I don't play one on TV, but I think I figured out President Biden's motivation for what he's doing, the way he's acting, the thing he's, the decisions he's making, all of that. It was pretty much a foregone conclusion that President Barack Obama was going down in history as the worst president we've ever had. And President Biden is now trying to 
repay, you know, the fact that he was so nice to him by himself being the worst president hmm. that we've ever had. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> what, what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, uh, the the expectation of low standards, right? So, yes, yes right, so, right. so, so, right. I, uh, yeah, so, I, may, I may be a dreamer, but... <laughs> no, I, it reminds me of the time when he was Secretary of Education and William Bennett went to the Chicago Public Schools and did a tour of them all day and at the end of the day held a press conference and said, I'm sorry to report, but these are the worst schools in the nation. And uh, one of the city council members shouted, no, Detroit's worse. And Bill looked at him and said, man, good for you. <laughs> hey, it's always great to talk to you, Seth. As you, Rick. As Thank by you, brother. You, you betcha. 602 We'll be right back. If you're in the uh, market for a repair on your roof, a new roof, an inspection, I want you to call my friends at Trades Unlimited. I've used them. My friends use them. It's 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 a company I love. I've gone down and I've met with the people. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You use them and you will see why. Trades Unlimited, they want me to let you know about their great work on foam roofs. Because if you have a foam roof that is five years old, it's time to have it inspected and recoded. If you have a flat roof, the benefits of installing or replacing a foam roof are insulation from atrocious heat, help in silencing the noise, and, of course, prevention of leaks. The brutal Arizona sun beats hard on our roofs. The coating can start to crack and get bubbles, holes. If your roof is in need of repair, it means it's disintegrating. So before those leaks begin, give Trades Unlimited a call at 480-483-1775. That's 480-483-1775. Or visit them online at tradesunlimited.com for all your roofing needs. Timothy's in Phoenix. Hello, Timothy. Hey, Seth. Uh, yeah, this is Tim. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get on your show. I listen to you all the time uh, on my way to work and on my way home. Thank you. Um, and really, I just... Uh, yeah. Uh, really, I've just been wondering, you know, uh, with all that's been going on, I know it's been a crazy couple of years, especially through 2020. Um, why hasn't anyone gone to jail? Yeah, why, or why been fired. Why, or been fired. Yeah why, yeah, why are the Republicans the ones going to jail for ticky-tack, uh, for ticky-tack, you know, crimes when i like that phrase timothy tim one ticky tack it reminds me of that song i haven't heard that in forever ticky tack yeah <laughs> all the yeah, house, just, little houses right made of ticky tack yeah exactly it just surprises me you know because like i feel like this is probably a bigger scandal than watergate and and no you know nobody's doing anything about it um you know that <laughs> not only that the whole world is sick you know, they stole our election. Um, I mean, I just don't understand why nobody is uh, being held accountable or uh, really just nobody's yeah. accountable. For no, anything. no, no. It's a good set of questions. And, and I want to spend some time on it, Tim, and I'm, and I'm glad you raised it. Don't don't go away. I, let me let me spend a few moments just saying a few things on it and then I'll go back to you. Um, first of all. 
let's 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 start with with a basic premise that we as conservatives don't generally like the idea of criminalizing politics. That's the game the left engages in. There is wrong thought. There is speech that shouldn't be free. That's the progressive worldview. It's not the conservative worldview. We don't believe in making a crime of politics. And that's why, for example, so many of us for so many years were so opposed to special and independent councils, which were designed almost specifically to investigate not actual crimes, but political crimes. So we, we, we start with a, with, a, with a certain principle that in politics, we should let the majority prevail with obvious minority rights and protections and engage in political solutions to political problems. The left had a different idea. The left's idea was to criminalize our politics. And if they couldn't criminalize it, to anathematize us, anathematize us by calling us white supremacists, racist, tyrants, supporters of a dictator, uh, supporters of a man who declared war on the media. By the way, war on journalism, war on journalists, war on the media. Anyone listening to the interviews of members of the press who happened to live because they were born in Afghanistan? They are trying to flee. Those who have fled are trying to get their families out because they will be killed. That is what semantic satiation has done to the notion of war on the media. We don't know what war on the media is anymore because we thought Trump was it. They told us Trump was war on the media and had to go because of that. You want war on the media, you're about to get it. You're about to get it. And if CNN will go to Afghanistan, they're about to watch it. But my guess is they won't be allowed in Afghanistan after August 31st because of hashtag war on media. But, Tim, let me let me let me go. Let me go. Let me go a step further because you brought up worse. The notion of worse than Watergate, which I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Watergate was um, was a, uh, a a third rate burglary that went wrong and a cover up that was unacceptable to the American people. I do not believe an actual crime was committed by Richard Nixon. That's not my reading of Watergate. I believe certain breaking and entering crimes were committed by underlings. Notice, by the way, what Nixon did in Watergate. Notice this, by the way. He lied, inexcusably, but he lied to protect his underlings. He lied to protect his underlings. That is not what most Democrats have done since, including Bill Clinton. They have lied to protect themselves, and they will throw their underlings under the bus to protect themselves. That's certainly what Bill Clinton did, certainly how Hillary Clinton acted. And it seems to me that we'll probably get some versions of that in the aftermath of this Afghanistan fiasco from Joe Biden. But we Republicans have to face a reality that's uncomfortable. We, I've said it a few times, we just have to accept it. We will always be in the eyes of the high and elite culture. We will always be treated as the away team playing on someone else's home court. That's the way they treat us. That's the way they treat us. 
Colson, Haldeman, Ehrlichman, names from Watergate. I don't know if anyone under 60 remembers those names. But names like that that still sit with me should be names as as, as familiar, familiar to us as the names of domestic policy advisors, chiefs of staff, and special assistants. Those were the titles of Haldeman, Ehrlichman, Colson under Biden and under Obama. We should know the names of their underlings and their assistants just as we do the Nixons. But the, 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 the media did a good job. They did a really good job in getting Nixon and permanent, making permanent the notion of evil criminal Richard Nixon and Watergate, so much so that everything is now every, – every scandal is now a gate. That's what they will do with Republicans. You cannot get that glove landed on a Democrat. You cannot get it because as tough as the New York Times and the Washington Post may be on Biden as a matter of policy with regard to Afghanistan – they will not assign a reporter like they did Carl Bernstein or Robert Woodward. They will not assign reporters to do the hard stuff. In fact, you know what they do. When a newspaper engaged in serious reporting, namely the New York Post, and found out something scandalous and criminal about the would-be president's son, Hunter Biden, what did the New York Times and Washington Post do? They worked with Twitter to silence the New York Post. They didn't try to outdo the New York Post. They tried to silence the New York Post. You want to talk about wars on the media? It's not a civil war. It's a leftist war against everyone who's not left. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Heidi is in Mayor, Arizona. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Seth. I'm just... Uh calling. Um, I've been thinking about this for a while when I saw how the Afghan men uh, that we trained just retaliated. And I just really feel like next time, if there ever is one, if we go into a place like that and train and arm them, let's train the women. Let's arm the women, give them a chance to defend themselves and and uh, defend their children. And it's a beautiful daughter. idea, Heidi. It's a beautiful idea. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I, mean, I think I the biggest law, I think, I, yes, uh, Christians, Jews, women, uh, infidels by the definition of, uh, of, of the Taliban, which would include, of course, Shiites and Sunnis who don't subscribe to their medieval ideology or philosophy, all heads to be on the chopping block, all to be treated the same way the Buddhist Bamiyan statues were treated, having their heads cut off. They will be acting against people the way the progressives in this country acted against statues and buildings and police departments last summer. Right. right. It is one exactly. of the saddest things I can imagine. Yeah. And that's another thing when you bring up the police department, because I was thinking about the police in New York the other day, too. And, and looking back on, you know, do you remember the days where they used to show videos of the dancing traffic cop in the in the middle of New York City, right. how, you know, those were the good days, and, and look where our police are now. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. yep. We used to, yeah, times have changed. No, it's a horrible thing. To, uh, Heidi, yeah. I, uh, listen, I, I don't know if you know, but I, I know of several people who went to Afghanistan, non-military people who went to Afghanistan in capacities to help build schools, mm-hmm. help teach women 
to be literate and what human rights are. Just a yeah. lot of that, um, a, a lot of it, a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of self-sacrifice. I mean, that was what these people went there for, just good American people going over to help an immiserated population. You you do realize all of that is over. And I don't mean over in the sense of people going over there to help. I mean, all the help over the last 20 years is over. Yeah. That ended. All of those schools, yeah. all of those rights, those are reversible and they will be reversed. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I, I really feel like, you know, why isn't NATO holding, holding Biden responsible? And, and, you know, I mean, it's a horrible thing. You know what happened um, when everybody stormed our own capital, but that's our capital. Yep. He didn't get voted in, so Heidi, I bl- I thank out. you for your call. I got to take a quick break. Brian Kennedy coming up. He has the essay that I am pointing to. When people say, "Have you read something good?" Yeah, Brian Kennedy. He's got something really good over at the American Mind. He'll be with us next. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com